Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have Britt Cedarholm. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience today? Sure. So, like she said, my name is Britt Cedarholm. Um, I started living this lifestyle that we're always talking about. Oh, gosh, when was that? It feels like a long time at this point. Um back in 2017 2018 is when i started to really understand training nutrition what this was all about and i had no idea what i was doing then um but we've come a long way so then in 2020 i decided that this was my passion my calling i loved it so much it had drastically changed my own life. And I felt like there was improvement in the industry for better coaching overall, um, especially with lifestyle athletes. And so then I started pursuing my career in coaching. Fast forward to now, and I am celebrating my three-year anniversary of coaching in just one week. That's super exciting. And it's good that you like found fitness in 2017. I feel like fitness, the vibe in 2017 was like unbeatable. (laughs) It was the vibe. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a lot different, a lot more. I think good information is out there now, but, um, there's still some, some not so good stuff, but I know that your messaging is super positive and, you know, Brit's all about education and going about fitness the right way. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) no um you know it's funny actually I found you in my journey back in 2018 as well so when I first started to get into health and fitness and all of that like you said that was a great time in fitness like it was just very exciting and um during that time I had found Sarah Ford Bishop and I was following her for like two or three or four years before she ever even knew who I was. Um, And through her, I found you as well. And I was like, these girls are it. Like they live the lifestyle I want to live. They have the mindset I want to have. They do this for a living. Like they are out there living the life that I want to live. And um, so much of your content, so much of her content really helped to educate me and inspire me to coach in the right way, like you were saying, and have the right message put out there. So to have it come full circle and like know you guys on a personal level, be on the podcast now is just <laughs> very cool. Younger me would be freaking out. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's super sweet. I appreciate that. And similar thing for me, like when I lived in Ohio, I remember watching, um, Lane Norton and Lauren Conlin. And I watched all these people. I'm like, wow, like 
I felt so stuck in Ohio, like in the Midwest. I'm like, they're doing what I want to do, but like nobody knows what they're doing up here. So once I moved down here and started to get to know them more, like on a personal level, and like I remember seeing Lane for the first time at my gym, and I was like a little like starstruck, and I was like, what in the world? I've been watching him for like six years, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's so cool that like social media can connect you to a lot of people and. I think a lot of people feel alone in their fitness journey and you know, it's actually, there's a lot of people that are willing to be open and connect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's super important that people cultivate that atmosphere for themselves. Um, even if it's just on social media, I mean, for the first three years of this lifestyle for me, I didn't have any friends who did this. I didn't, none of my family understood it. Like it was very much so that place you get where you feel like, man, this is a little bit lonely. Um, but I really cultivated my social media to be that safe space for me. Um, and then slowly, but surely you start to actually connect with those people and you can build a really great support system. Yeah. So today's topic is going to be kind of the combination of talking about bodybuilding and lifestyle approaches when it comes to your fitness goals. Specifically, we are going to be diving into dieting and, and getting ready for like competition prep, but we're also going to be talking about like the mindset involved to be successful in each one of those endeavors because they are different. I think a lot of people can mix up bodybuilding with just fat loss of like, oh, I want to diet. So I need to be a bodybuilder or I need to step on stage when that's not necessarily the case. And a lot of people need to be a lifestyle client first in order to transition into being a successful bodybuilder. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I do think that there is a strange like connotation around if I want to decrease my body fat percentage, if I want to live a healthier lifestyle, that that automatically goes to the extreme of stepping on stage because I get so many inquiries of people saying, hey, I really have X, Y, and Z goal, but I'm worried about competing or I'm worried that this means that I have to compete. Um, and that's just, there's a little bit of a disconnect there that I think we'll get into. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about firstly that we can talk about, um, I guess we could say the diet and some expectations of a bodybuilder versus just a, a lifestyle client. And by diet, I'm not just talking about deficit, just like more mm -hmm. so knowledge around food and the approach to food and what that might look like. Right. Because th that's such a great point because people hear the term diet and they automatically assume, okay, we're going into a fat loss phase. And it's like, no, you have, you also have a, a specific diet that you just eat when you are not dieting. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of like slang in a way, because if you look up diet in the, in the dictionary, it, it has no sort no. of connotation to a calorie decrease. It's literally like a way that someone eats. Their diet. Exactly. Exactly. Like if somebody said, what does your diet consist of? That's much more understandable of what the term diet is. Yeah. And so going into like the bodybuilder, I, um, I feel like there's two different approaches to this because, you know, of competing, you hear meal plans or macros. I'm personally more on the macro approach when it comes to bodybuilding, because I think a lot of 
people struggle with their relationship with food. And I find for, for some people that a meal plan can make that worse. So you're either going to be tracking macros or following a meal plan. Um, it's usually a diet that's going to be more rich in protein. So these people are usually consuming around 0.8 to 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Um, and then they usually just have a really good balance of whole nutrient foods. Their processed food consumption is pretty minimal. And this is year round, regardless if they are getting ready for a show or not. And um, they, they are consistently tracking or having some sort of data. Very rarely do I find a bodybuilder completely stop tracking altogether, which I do find some do. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for the most part, they're always collecting some sort of data. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely see that when this is where I think it gets confusing for people, um, because that is the lifestyle of a bodybuilder. But mm -hmm. here, when we are talking about lifestyle athletes and clients, um, we take a different approach to that. They might not be quite so in tune or consistent with that type of tracking for years and years on end. Whereas when you are a bodybuilder, it doesn't matter if you're in prep, if you're in your off season, if you're in a health phase, you are consistently tracking data throughout that time. And it just becomes part of what you do. It's not really something that they have to put a ton of motivation into or effort into. It comes second nature, just like brushing your teeth. Yeah. Even for myself right now, like I've taken like a temporary break from my coach, still mm -hmm. love my coach, but I can still hold myself accountable. And I find that a lot of bodybuilders have that mindset of being able to hold themselves accountable. Like they can still track, show up for their workouts. They, they just get, get it done where I feel like a lifestyle client is still sometimes in that phase of letting their motivation dictate their actions. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, they really need that accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. For food quality wise, though, I feel like the lifestyle client, I mean, both you and I would strive for them to have like a higher protein diet, you know, focus on whole foods. But I find that the lifestyle client can deal with more temptations. So maybe more portion control issues, maybe alcohol issues. I'm not talking about being an alcoholic, but you know, <laughs> just tempted by it by alcohol. But um, those are some more common issues. Whereas the bodybuilder, that's not really a thought. Like if, like, especially for myself, if I was in prep and someone had a cookie on the counter for some sort of event, I wouldn't even be thinking about the cookie. Cause I know that's just not in alignment with what my goals are. I have this like mental block up, but a mm -hmm. lot of lifestyle clients don't have that sort of tool yet that they've developed. Yeah. And I like how you said it is definitely a tool that you develop. Um, and with most lifestyle clients, that is something that you are working on them with. Right. And kind of, I like to say it's like picking and choosing your moments um, for those lifestyle athletes. They, they do have that ability to have a little bit more flexibility. Um, but when it comes to picking and making decisions that are in alignment with their current goals, that's a huge area that you are actually working on if you are a lifestyle athlete with your coach. <clears throat> Whereas for bodybuilders, that's something that's already locked in. They, 
don't have to think twice about it. Like you said, like it's not even crossing your mind when you're in prep because you already know that that's not in alignment with your goal. Whereas within a lifestyle athlete, you might be saying, okay, well, let's let's pick and choose our moments here, right? If it's a Tuesday morning and a coworker brings in donuts to work, did you, did you actually want that donut? Did you really need it? Is it in alignment with your goals or did you just have it? Cause it was there. Whereas mm-hmm. okay, maybe it's your birthday. Okay. We've got a little bit more flexibility there. There's more meaning behind that. Yeah, definitely. And transitioning into like fat loss. So bodybuilder, we're going to take things to an uncomfortable level. Like I find for like women in particular, And I am going to be talking about some numbers here. So if that bothers you, you can log off. But, um, you know, there's plenty of bikini competitors that have to dip below 1200 calories. And and I'm not saying that's the whole prep, but it might be a short-term push. The lifestyle client, I know for me, I have boundaries. I have calorie levels. I have carb levels, fat levels that I am uncomfortable to go under. And I have that set. Now, as a lifestyle client too, you have to understand that you can also set those boundaries. Like with a bodybuilder, um, we are going to push you more and you might be like, Oh damn, like, I don't want to hit 80 grams of carbs, but I'll do whatever it takes. But a lifestyle client, you can speak up more. And I encourage that where it's like, you know, 130 grams of carbs is a little too low for me. This is very challenging. It doesn't feel sustainable. You can speak up more and I'm happy to work more with the lifestyle client with that. And that's not to come off as saying like, for my bodybuilders, I'm like, uh, just deal with it. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no negotiating, but, um, what I'm saying is with lifestyle, I'm, I'm definitely more willing to, to meet you if we're comfortable. Yeah, I agree because at the end of the day, they are lifestyle and they are looking for a lifestyle. So while they may have an overarching physique goal that you can help them get to the time frame in which you get there, the approach that you take, the the intensity of that approach those are all things that can be flexible um but i think managing those expectations with those lifestyle athletes is what's really really key there because they don't understand that all the time um they might not understand like the severity that it takes to get to that physique level that a bodybuilder is taking, um, that approach. And they, like you said, they might not be comfortable with that and that's absolutely okay. Um, but managing that expectation and maybe talking about timelines and like body fat set points and just explaining that. So they fully understand and can make their own decisions is, really crucial in keeping it a lifestyle for them and keeping them consistent. Yeah. And just from a coaching perspective too, like you have to understand, like, again, this is a lifestyle. They don't want to step on stage, so they don't need to be pushed so hard. I get that you want results. I get that you want these people to, to look leaner and achieve that. But, you know, and honestly, with a lifestyle client, when we're pushing that hard, it's, it's, I find more detrimental for their health because they don't also have the tools and understanding about reverse dieting, or maybe Mm -hmm. their duration of their coaching and finances start to become an issue of like, I can't have a coach for a year long or six months or whatever it might be. So you might not even have the time to diet someone to that degree, which is a little um, reckless. Yeah. You know that you bring up a really, really good point there. And I think that's honestly a nice segue into understanding yes we need 
athletes and clients to understand um, what it's going to take for them to reach their goals and those expectations. But it's also so important for coaches to understand that you cannot and should not be pushing your lifestyle athletes to the degree of a bodybuilder. Um, It's not beneficial for you in the long run. It's definitely not beneficial for the athlete in the long run. And at the end of the day, like I know one thing, just like you said, um, you have boundaries with specific numbers. Completely agree. Um, I also have boundaries with biofeedback and how the athlete is doing mentally and how their physical health looks and their enjoyment of the process as well. I've got boundaries with that, with my lifestyle athletes. And I think it's really important for coaches to actually ask their clients like, Hey, is, is this what you want? Right? Like Mm -hmm. so many, I know so many coaches out there who get an athlete who signs up with them and they say they want fat loss but it's important to dig deeper than that because what degree of fat loss do they want? Do they, what kind of activity do they want to do in the long term? How do they want to feel in the long term? Maybe they just want to feel better, be a little bit more confident in the gym, lose a little bit of body fat. And that's really what they're looking for. Whereas the coach in their head might be like, taking it a little bit farther than that. So making sure you're on the same page is huge. Yeah, I think both, I've seen this both directions. Um, A client getting tunnel vision and then the coach getting tunnel vision where when both of these are going on, it can actually be really reckless. You know, getting someone to a stage or the end goal where they say, oh, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll eat dirt. I'll, I'll do three hours of cardio a day. And guys, like I've been that person too. Like I'm literally... I've literally done three hours of cardio a day. Like I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes. When in reality, as the coach one, you have to understand that tunnel vision cannot exist for you. It's important to have their goal in mind, but their health should always be made a priority regardless of what their endeavors are. Um, But as a client, you need to also do your own checks and balances of like, what is good motivation and focus towards a goal and what is obsession, which this is also a fine line between what's a bodybuilder and what's lifestyle, like lifestyle. You're probably not going to have as much of that obsession of like, Oh my gosh, I just want to look hot on my vacation, you know? Um, whereas like the bodybuilder is like, I want to win that overall. I want to turn pro. Maybe this might, you know, help their career in a way of like, they also want to prep people and they want to be an inspiration. So they have a lot more, intrinsic motivation, which can be dangerous because that tunnel vision can be so powerful, but you have to know the signs of like, what is too much and and kind of snapping yourself into reality. Because if you don't do that, you can get kind of stuck in that trap of like getting super low and getting too reckless. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to to bring that up too, because I think a lifestyle clients, um, they can lack the tunnel vision and focus, you know, whereas the bodybuilder, it's like, especially like wanting to turn pro, it's like, all right, this is maybe a little too much or, you know, how much are you willing to risk here for this goal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that is so huge. And I love that we're having this conversation. I love that you're putting this on your podcast, because if I had heard this in the beginning of my career, I might not have faced so many of the challenges that I faced because I was right there with you. I will eat dirt to do whatever I need to do. Like I will do all of the cardio. Um, 
And when I was in that tunnel vision mindset, I was supposed to be a quote unquote lifestyle athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is a huge responsibility of the coach. While it's great to have somebody who is so dedicated and trusting in you and willing to do that, you need to be the person who will keep them in the clear when it comes to their health, know when to pull back. And sometimes you might be the quote unquote bad guy for putting their health first, but that is always the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this goes for like the mental and biofeedback too. Like I tell my bodybuilders, you get a three strike rule and then we're out of prep. Like <laughs> if like you, it. if you binge, that's a strike and strike. that's not, it's not a punishment. It is being proactive with your mental health. Um, if you're not pooping for like two weeks, you know, strike, <laughs> something's wrong there. Um, if your hair is falling out, strike, you know, like these are things that like we need to take seriously. But the, the problem is, is like people have too many red flags and then they're like, oh, it's like that dog on fire meme. And they're like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And it's not. Yeah. I want to talk about adherence and I've noticed a lot of lifestyle clients struggle with, um, finding that balance. So, you know, having the moments of tracking and having maybe moments where they're doing untracked meals or untracked days and understanding, like, again, this is a lifestyle to fit into your life. There's moments where you can be more flexible, but I see one of two extremes. One is the person that feels like they need to bring Tupperware to their events and act like the bodybuilder or the other one of, Oh, it was at a restaurant. It was too hard to track. So I'm not going to track at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Having lifestyle athletes find that happy in between is part of lifestyle coaching though. Right. Like Mm -hmm. those, those people came to you and they've probably never, never been in those situations where they were consciously making those decisions before. So to take somebody who has, you know, weekend travel plans, or they're out at a restaurant or whatever it may be, and they've never given a second thought of what they consume during those times. And now you're saying, okay, well, I want you to hit this much protein, this many carbs and this much fat that can be a challenge for them, right? And like you said, we typically see it go one of two ways um, because people love that black or white mentality. They love the all or nothing mentality. Um, It's just easy to fall into. So I definitely see both of those situations as well. And I like to challenge both of those people on the opposite spectrum. Um, When I have a lifestyle client who is super dedicated, their adherence is on point all the time um, and for like weeks at a time, I will, even if they don't ask for it or have an event or anything like that, I will throw like, hey, I want I want you to go get a free meal this weekend um, or I want you to take a couple of untracked days. And you do kind of see that panic come where they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're yeah. doing everything right. We're seeing great results. Why would we do this? And it's because, like you said, it is part of your lifestyle. Um, You are not going to eat out of Tupperware for the rest of your life. And you're likely not going to track everything for the rest of your life. So just like it took practice to get into those habits and learn those tools, sometimes it also takes that practice to be able to enjoy different situations with a little bit more flexibility um, without worrying about it or overdoing it. 
Yeah. Um, for that, like black and white mentality, like those are things that you have to work through, work through too, as a lifestyle client before you can ever consider competing in a competition. Like for competitors, we know how to go black and white when we're in prep. Like for me, when I'm in prep mode, like I just, again, I'm not phased by the cookie or I'm not phased by people eating around me and I'm not, and I have a diet Coke instead. So like things like that don't bug me, but also in my improvement season, I'm in the gray. Like I'm not like, I'm not eating everything I want or, or binging or just not training at all either. You know, I'm in this gray zone of like, okay, back my lifestyle back and these actions are going to affect my future. So I guess I shouldn't even say black and white mentality for, for bodybuilders. Cause I do, I do find it's more all in for the prep, mm -hmm. but then in off season it's, it's um gray. Yes. So for lifestyle clients, you're striving to find your gray zone and it's going to bring up aspects that are a little abnormal that, that need work. So that all or nothing can even go far beyond even like dietary adherence. This can even go into training adherence of like, oh, well, I have to train each and every single day, no days off. I have to program my cardio on my rest days when you don't, or I, um, I missed a workout or my workout schedule got screwed up. So I, I just took the rest of the week off because it, it got all messed up. So that's another area that needs to be worked on. Yeah. I love how you said lifestyle athletes, your focus is on finding your gray. That is so, so good. Um, I, another like analogy that I love is when somebody says like, Hey, like you said, if, um, if you missed one workout this week, you can still continue on your week with your normal training schedule. You don't need to just throw the rest of them out the window. Doing that is like getting a small chip in your window when you're driving from a rock, like a rock chip in your window, and then just deciding F it and crashing your car instead. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, I like that finding your gray for those lifestyle athletes. That's what you're working on. And that is something that if you don't have dialed in, competing is not on your radar. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Like you can mm -hmm. dabble into fitness and be a fit and healthy person without ever stepping on stage. And I think a lot of people, even when they do find their gray and they are leveling up and they are getting super consistent, they might think, well, competing is the next step, right? But it, it's not necessarily, I mean, competing is like a very high level sport. So it's kind of like, let's bring this into a sports term. So let's say we're all playing basketball and we're just learning and you've got the pros over there and you've got the amateurs over there. Obviously the pros are going to be great. You know, they spent their whole life doing this. They've acquired a lot of skills. The amateur might start to get better and notice their strengths and, and make those improvements. Now that amateur by no means is meant to be in the NBA or can achieve the NBA, but they think they might be able to because they are now in a semi-pro league, let's say. Just because you've gotten more advanced doesn't mean you have to go to that next level because with that next level comes a whole nother world that you have to learn too. Because with bodybuilding, you have to understand that this is a sport that's expensive. It is um, year-long commitment. It can require further education in terms of hormonal health and gut health, which will be a whole nother area for you to get your feet wet in. Um, and it's just, do you want to open up basically the floodgates to that? And it's okay if you don't want to. Um, just because 
everyone else around you seems like they're doing it, which if that's the case, just refresh your social media feed. I promise you, no, not everybody's doing it, but um, you, you don't have to just because it seems like the next thing. It's kind of like those people that are like, oh, well, we're 30. We should get married now. Right. And it's like, but, but do you want to get married? You know? Yes. No, that is so good. And honestly, like I am the perfect person to have this conversation with. Yeah. Britt just got engaged. (laughs) Yeah. Well that too. Um, but that is me. Like I have been consistently living this lifestyle, leveling up in all of those ways and honestly getting my feet very wet in areas like gut health, hormonal health and all of that. Um, but I don't compete and it is one of those things where once you do get very involved in this world, um, like she said, refresh your social media page because you might be around it a lot. You might be seeing people compete a lot, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to live a similar lifestyle, um, but still not compete. So I think that there is so much pressure around that. And I know firsthand um, having multiple people try and pressure me into competing when I'm not ready. And it's just not necessary. I mean, even to the degree where people are shocked, shocked constantly that I don't compete. Um, and maybe yeah. it's something that I will do down the road, but I fully understand that level that it takes um, financially, uh, time-wise, the discipline, the the severity, the restriction. Um, and for me, I've just had too many other things that are a priority that I'm not willing to sacrifice yet to compete. Um, so I think it's really important that people understand, like, it's not just a sense of, is this something that you can do, but is this something that you really want to do as well? Yeah. That's like appropriate for you. And Mm -hmm other thing too is like there's plenty of ways that you can start getting involved in the sport and if you don't like watching it you don't like to be a spectator when you're waiting backstage for nine hours to go on stage you're really not gonna like it so you know there's a lot that you can do and expose yourself in real life outside of just social media because I've had plenty of people who I just had a client a couple months ago where she's like she actually competed before and she's like I think I should compete again because we're doing a cut and I'm getting leaner I'm feeling good I'm like all right, I want you to go to a show, get a vibe for it. And she went and she ended up realizing that she didn't want to do it again, which is fine. But like, sometimes you need to expose yourself to it to realize that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Let's talk about the mindset involved to be successful, which we did a little bit with the lifestyle cut and, and or just being a lifestyle client and then being a bodybuilding client. The mindset... Yeah, I think um, in my personal experience, I think that there is a lot of mindset work that needs to be done with lifestyle clients in general. Um, There's just there's so much rewiring when it comes to how they look at food, how they look at exercise, the relationship with themselves, how they talk to themselves, their own self-worth. Um, and really, really honing in on that and building that up because I have always been a firm believer that your mental and physical health do go hand in hand and they aren't two separate things. Um, now on the competitor side, 
I think there's also a difference if you're a brand new competitor versus if you are a bit more seasoned. Mm -hmm. uh, the brand new competitor might be having a lot of awakening moments of, wow, I didn't realize this level of mentality that I needed. Um, whereas a seasoned competitor for the majority, they know what to expect. They know the mentality that they need to be in and it doesn't quite take so much work to get to that point. Um, it's very similar to the fact that they don't really need to rely on motivation. They have that discipline locked in. So they're going to get what they need done when they need to do it. Um, whereas those lifestyle clients, there's, there is shockingly, um, which is really not shocking, but to so many people, it is shocking how much mental perspective shifts are made and needed to be made to find that gray zone. Yeah. I think, um, going into like the coaching seat too, like I've heard coaches who are like, Oh, like lifestyle clients are too difficult. And my immediate thought is then you don't know how to coach because if you can't deal with the difficult and you can't deal with shifting someone's mindset and providing them with tools to be successful in terms of dealing with weight fluctuations or body image or how to track progress, what does progress look like? You know, it's a laundry list of different things that we have to work on. If you're not good at that and you're only good at giving protocols, you're not to me, you're not really a coach. You're just a program giver. So a bodybuilder is incredibly adherent. Like their mindset is like, I, I will do whatever you tell me to do basically. Um, as long as they have the trust of their coach and you know, if you hired someone, I would hope that you do. But, um, as for, you know, the, the lifestyle client, I would say that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come up that you didn't realize were issues that need to be worked on. Um, if you have fitness goals, you are actually entering into the space of behavioral and habit change. Um, and a lot of people don't recognize that either because they only see the physical and they think, oh, I want to change my body. I want to lose the weight. Okay. Why are we overweight to start? You know, how do we get here in the first place? You know, and that's where the uncomfortableness can come up where people are realizing that they have emotional attachments to food, or maybe the, the girl that wants to gain muscle, but she has an emotional attachment to her size zero genes. You know, it's like, there's a lot of unpacking that coaches have to do. Yeah. I love that. You said you're actually getting into the behavioral and habit change world even more so than you are getting into health and fitness when you are a lifestyle athlete. Um, I just had somebody ask me the other day, they kind of were asking me about my career choice and why I do it. And they were bringing up some good questions that are valid around, you know, what the industry kind of looks like from the outside and some of those negatives. Um, and I, I told them, I was like, well, if I can get somebody a six pack, but I can't change their perceptions or inspire them to act in alignment with their higher selves or grow as a human being, then what is the point? Right. Yeah. Because those are the things that are going to make that lasting change. And by no means am I saying that I am like a mental health professional or that your coach is responsible for your perceptions and your mentalities but like you said there there that is a huge aspect of coaching especially lifestyle athletes and if that's not something that you care to do for and with that person then you, you probably just don't know how to coach lifestyle clients like it's not yeah your, you know. coaching is 
difficult. It is not an easy job. You are a shapeshifter. There's a lot of different emotions involved. There's a lot of different personalities involved. Um, what works for one person won't work for another person. And understand that if someone is a quote unquote difficult client, maybe it's because you're not providing them with the, the right tools and the right approach for them to be a easy client or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think with lifestyle clients too, we're not mental health professionals and you have to understand that your coach is not your therapist and you need to, to draw a line of like, what is sharing about my life and what is, okay, this is an issue of my life that needs help, which is fine. Um, but we want to make sure that you're getting the right help needed. Now, I still think behavioral and habit change is, I guess you could say a, a little bit of a fine line, but you know, there's taking this back to sports that's like having the coach that they just want their, their athletes to, to do the conditioning and follow it honestly, or they just want their, their athletes to um, have confidence when they're performing a skill or a certain technique, you know, and that's something that is, is learned over time. And that's what we want for you. We want you to be confident in your approach. We want you to be confident in your body. We want you to develop these concrete habits that it's starting to become automatic. You know, we don't want you to be so, dependent or struggle with that all or nothing and so that's why the behavior and habit change does come up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the bodybuilder um i mean it's just it's totally different you know the mm -hmm. mindset the mindset is they don't really struggle with i guess you could say more the elementary things mm -hmm. um becoming a bodybuilder and more advanced bodybuilders like chasing a PhD. So they're more advanced. I mean, they don't struggle with the basics. It's automatic. What the bodybuilder I think struggles with more is comparison, um, is self-doubt of their capabilities. It might be um, organization and budgeting of their time on occasion, depending on where they're at in their season. So they're, they're still human. They still struggle at times. It's just more so they've got a solutions-based mindset. Whereas I think a lifestyle client still struggles with the problem-based mindset. And what I mean by that is there's a problem I shut down and the bodybuilder is I have a problem. I have a solution. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and like we were saying earlier, bodybuilder common sense is not necessarily common sense for everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, they're not, they're not really worrying about those situations that lifestyle clients worry about. They see a event come up. They know exactly how they're going to handle it. They're meal prep goes bad. They know exactly how to handle that situation and make it work. They miss a flight. They say, all right, well, what do I need to do to get X, Y, and Z done? You know? So it, like you said, is a completely different mindset of yes, they absolutely still struggle. Um, there's too many external events going on outside of us, uh, for them to not have some sort of challenge and struggle along the way, but they are much more, um, what's the word I want to use? They're much more experienced with the problem solving mindset than mm -hmm. somebody who is new to health and fitness in general. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
they're more advanced and that's why you can't like if you're a lifestyle client you can't compare it to the bodybuilder because they have so much experience under their belt so it looks easy for them because they were just like you like even for myself i've competed in over 20 shows guys i've messed up my macros all the time when i first started tracking i didn't know how to go out to eat i've struggled with restriction overeating i've struggled with crying over what size i wear you know i've like i've i've been through it all too um but it took years to get to where I'm at now. So you can't, you, again, you just cannot compare. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's a very dangerous idea to, of course, compare physically. You hear that and you see that everywhere. Don't compare your body. Don't compare your stage shots. Like don't, don't compare, don't compare, don't compare. And that typically is around the physical aspect. Um, but comparing your mental capabilities is also a dangerous game. You know, why, why don't they struggle with this? Why can they do X, Y, and Z? Well, they've got a lot more time in the trenches. Like they have been doing this. They have been practicing those mental tools longer than you likely have. Yeah. I think that's also a fine line too, when you can fall into that victim mindset too, yeah. where it's like, they've got it so much easier or whatever. <laughs> and you don't know like the whole story, which this kind of dives into conditioning. Cause we're talking about comparing with the mindset, but let's talk about comparing with the more of like the end product of a cut. So someone lifestyle female, we, we can say if you're dieting, you know, the leanest you're probably going to get in a lifestyle cut is going to be around maybe 15 to 19%, I would say is a good range. That's like leaner end. Um, a bodybuilder, depending on the division for like bikini wellness, even figure, probably like 10 to 12% on the higher end, maybe even 9%, which was incredibly lean for a female. So the problem I see is the lifestyle client will look at more so the bikini competitor and they think, oh, I want that look but they don't realize just how abnormal that look is and how below percent wise with body fat compared to the the normal which for normal for women i think is around 20 to 30 percent now they i think that's the average yeah that's average yeah yeah and it, the just the level of conditioning like you said it's such it's such a different level um for your health, for your mental state with it, like the way that you're going to feel, the the level of precision that you need to have in all aspects of your programming to get that, let's say bikini build and shape and look that you are saying you want is likely so much more intense than you think it is going to be. Yeah. Like at my leanest, I'm a jump scare. Like <laughs> I, I scare my family members sometimes like if friends haven't seen me in a while. They're a little nervous, you know? So like, yeah. it's actually not a good look in person. Like on stage, it looks good because that person has, um, potentially hydrated depending on your approach, but they have carbs, they have a good pump. They've got basically a gloss on their muscles, which makes them look more plump. You've got a tan, you've got all the things to make you look immaculate on stage. So when you see that person in person, you see the under eye circles, or you see more of a gaunt face, or you see more of the, the boniness in the shoulders, or maybe even hip bones. And, you know, that can be very 
I don't want to say unattractive, but in terms of lifestyle and what we normally like to go for as humans, we tend to like a person that is fertile and they have enough body fat on them and they look like they have energy, you know, those seem to be more attractive qualities. Right. Right. Like you said, like, you don't want to say that it's necessarily an unattractive look per se, but it's something that when you see it, you don't think healthy, right? You don't think sustainable. You see it and you say, oh no. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So um, that's a really, really good point because you do always see the stage shots, right? Like you see the glamour, you see the peak, the absolute best. Um, You see that person maybe a week or two before the stage And that is a completely different look, extremely depleted, you know, cheekbones, like, like you said, like the bags under the eyes struggling. And if this isn't just a physical look, they are also not feeling awesome. You know, he's very low sex drive is probably out the window. Um, It's not something that is sustainable or something that somebody would strive to say, if I want to feel my best, that's probably not what we're going for. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, chasing your fitness goal should be about health. And, you know, it seems to me, sometimes I feel like, oh, Nicole, you're counterproductive because you're such a firm believer in having a healthy relationship with food and your body and balance. But then I'm also a bodybuilder. But I also think that you can go about the sport in a healthier way. But you also have to understand that this sport, or I should say, I know that this sport is not my life. You know, I don't identify with my sport. I I know who I am without competing or without being super stage lean. And um, for the lifestyle client, you also need to recognize that like you can still have a very fit and lean body and you don't have to take it to that extreme level. Um, Although you might be competitive with yourself and, and you think that you can get there, you don't, again, you don't have to be there to be happy because me personally, like I'm, I'm really happy with my body, just with where I'm at right now. And I'm in improvement season. Oh, same, <laughs> same. No, I agree. And there have been so many points during this, um, this like growth phase that I'm in currently where I'm like, off season is fun, man. It is fun to have more flexibility, to have more energy, to um, experience different things. And that's that just comes with time in understanding the different phases of health and fitness. Um, and I, I do think that it's kind of funny to hear you say, like, sometimes I feel like a contradiction, you know, preaching health and sustainability, but also doing bodybuilding. Um, that's something that I struggled with for a really, really long time. And just with coaching in general, because I do think that it's become almost so trendy to be anti-diet culture. Um, but I don't think you're contradictive at all with it because you understand the difference between the two and you do have your own code of ethics when it comes to coaching and making sure that both your lifestyle and your bodybuilding athletes understand what that is. Um, but I think it's when people don't have that strong differentiator between the two, um, and the lines get really blurry where you do become a contradiction, right? Yeah. 
I think it all comes down to intent, right? And so you can compete for the wrong reasons and seeking outward validation or because you think you have to do it or whatever it might be. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely some shows that I, I prepped for and I didn't go in it with the best mentality. And this was definitely years ago, maybe like 2016, where my, my mindset wasn't in the the best spot. But now I've learned, you know, when to push and when to pull back and and the value of not stepping on stage all the time. Again, 20 shows is a, a lot of shows in a short period of time. But, um, you know, intent is everything. And so you you as a client have to check in with yourself on like, what is my intent with this all the time? Um, and, and same for the coach, like you need to know the why behind your client and why they want to do this in the first place. Like if you want to compete and you're a bodybuilder and you're doing this because you think you have to, or you have something to prove, or, you know, maybe you're going through a hard time in your life and you want a distraction, you know, um, probably not the best time to do that. And then for the lifestyle client, if you are wanting to diet because you hate yourself and you think you'll like yourself more, um, you know, you, you're just going about it in a negative way, then we have to work on that first. Cause I'm a firm believer that if the intent isn't right and it's not healthy, then it's not going to end up well. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, that's something that I feel like I do get really passionate about and talk about, um, quite often. And I am just such a firm believer and likely because I have been on the opposite side of this, like you said, like long time ago, but still I experienced it. Um, you can have physique goals as a lifestyle client and not hate your body. Um, your goals do not have to be, and should not be fueled by negativity. And you can still, you know, look in the mirror and appreciate what you have and not shit on yourself, um, while striving to improve certain areas right? Yeah. Like you can have both, but it's your intent that truly matters. Um, and I think that learning your intent and getting really in tune with that is also something that takes practice, right? Most people, it's not the first thing they think about when they say, you know, I, I want to lose some body fat here. I want to lose five pounds or whatever it is. Um, and that's where you hear coaches like us asking about the why and really digging deeper into that. And sometimes I am even like, Britt, you are so corny. <laughs> like, this is so cheesy, but that why is truly important. And if you, if you take it seriously and you find that true intention in yourself, you're so much more likely to have a, a successful and enjoyable experience than somebody who is fueled by negativity. Yeah. I mean, bringing up a little bit of diet culture, I think that whole space got brought up because, well, let me take a little bit of a reverse. I'm not anti-diet either. I think plenty of people need to lose body fat to actually be healthier and to live a better quality of life. Um, I also don't think that there's anything wrong with having vanity or physique-based goals. That's fine. Um, but diet culture in terms of, you know, I see even like diet culture dietitians where they're super anti-diet or anyone losing weight or anyone altering their body. I think the reason why they have that mindset is because they never did the work before. They never did the checks and balances. They never really worked on the, the healthy behaviors, the healthy mindset shifts that need to happen. 
Um, they never really looked at their intent before. They just went into it like what you said, I want to lose weight, so I'm just going to lose weight and cut my calories and, and lose it. Um, that's not the right way to go about fat loss or dieting. And that's why people feel stuck and they feel frustrated and they rebound. And then they say, oh, I hate this diet. Dieting sucks. It, it ruined my mindset and all this. And it's like, no, no, no. Again, if you have a fitness goal or fat loss based goal, even muscle building goal, you have to do the mental work as well or else you might end up on the wrong side of things. It's like trying anything new. Like if you don't, you know, succeeded at the first time, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just maybe you went into it with the wrong mindset. Right. No, actually, this is such a great, a great point. Um, and a parallel I'd like to make about it is, for example, I played college volleyball. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with volleyball. It's a great sport. It's so fun to play. It's so fun to watch um, sports in general. It, they, they teach you a lot about yourself, about life growing up. Um, but there were times where it became a very negative thing in my life. It became obsessive or it was taken to an extreme um, or I had coaches that pushed me in a way that was not healthy for me at all. And there were points of resentment and hate towards volleyball. Um, but that doesn't mean that volleyball is inherently bad, right? Mm -hmm. It was my experience with that and not understanding my own intent enough at the time, not doing some of the internal work of why I was being affected in those ways. And now that I have done that work and that I have graduated from playing college volleyball, I can look at volleyball and appreciate it and love it and see that it's such a beneficial thing. It's, you know, I encourage my niece to play just because I had a really poor experience at some point in that time doesn't mean that I'm out here telling my niece like, hey, you should not play volleyball. Like it is yeah. extreme. It is unhealthy. You should love your athletic abilities as they are. Um, and you don't need to change. Right. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think that, I think that that plays a huge role. Yeah. Just because someone has a bad experience doesn't mean that you're going to. And one of the things I use too is a phrase is like, don't quit on like a bad day. Like just try quitting on a good day. And I think a lot of people get accustomed to quitting on bad days because it's easier because you're angry and the emotions are high but then if you have like a really good day, like even think about for a lifestyle client, like think about hitting a new level and like putting on that bikini and feeling really confident in yourself, like try quitting on that day. You probably yeah. wouldn't. Or like the bodybuilder that just won their pro card and they're like feeling so accomplished, like try quitting bodybuilding now. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're probably not. So all of that hard work and effort comes to fruit. Oh, I can't say that word. Help me out for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do a lifting for the podcast listeners. My lip is super swollen from like whatever a cut, but anyway, um, try quitting when things feel amazing and like when all like the stars aligned and all makes sense. Like you're not going to, um, but I think a lot of people just quit when things get a little bit hard, and that's why they leave something with like more of a negative mindset. But you know, you need to reflect, even if you are like more on like a boat of like, oh, I, I hate this, or I don't like that reflect, you know, maybe you just weren't in a good headspace and that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that we deal with lifestyle clients 
all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but that just reminded me a little bit of a segue here. Um, If you are a lifestyle athlete and you are having a rough week, a rough day, uh, maybe it's protocol related, maybe it has nothing to do with your programming whatsoever, learning and understanding gaining the experience of those bad days and how they affect your view on your progress, on yourself, on your life in general is such a crucial tool throughout. And like you said, don't quit on those bad days um, because I guarantee that your brain and your eyes are a little bit clouded during that time. because the amount of times that I have had lifestyle athletes come to me and say, you know, I feel like I'm not making progress now. I don't feel good about X, Y, and Z. And I reflect on their week and I see how stressful it was or how many challenges they faced. I remind them, hey, you might be experiencing your emotions and you might be placing them on your progress or on your physique or whatever it may be, because it is a subconscious way of controlling. Um, but let's, let's wait a week. Let's just get back into our normal routine and groove. Let's not change anything. Let's see how you feel next week. The next week rolls around. They've managed their stress. Those challenges are down. They're not in an emotional state. And they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I had beer goggles on. Like what a crazy experience. And that's so important for lifestyle athletes to experience because that's how you learn how to not quit on the bad days. Yeah. You just got to like bet on yourself, like give yourself 12, 12 weeks, six months, a year, just bet on yourself for like a a period of time, not just two weeks or a month. And I'm sure that you're going to learn a lot and be surprised at like what you can achieve. Yeah. Well, I feel like this was a good episode. This is definitely a longer one. So for whoever had a longer cardio session, you're welcome. Um, Britt, where can people find you if they're wanting to connect more? You can find me on Instagram. Um, It's at Britt Cedarholm, which is not easy to spell right off the bat. So hopefully Nicole puts that in in the description link for you guys. That's the best way to connect with me personally. Yeah, everything will be down below in the description if you're wanting to connect more. And thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.